see uh, each of you today. Glad we're together. Glad we take this opportunity to worship. It's good that we do that, to take opportunity to reflect on the very fact and reality that God is uh, with us. And in fact, he is leading us to be leaders. And we uh, hope that over uh, our time, notwithstanding our time today, but over the period of these weeks during the summer that we're considering how it is that God uh, would have us emerge as leaders for his kingdom. So our buddy uh, Calvin uh, puts it right, uh, talking about scripture and the sort of spectacles that, uh, through which we see. Uh, it offers us the opportunity to view the world and the life that is uh, around us and how we might uh, bring about kingdom good. Uh, as we are engaged by Scripture, as we uh, see uh, things through Scripture and emerge as the leaders that God would have us to be, uh, we, uh, we finally got it right. My optometrist, my optometrist and me, uh, we were able to strike just recently upon the right uh, combination of, of contacts that would allow me to see both uh, near and far. And I got to tell you, it has been liberating. Uh, I can't tell you how elated I am. Uh, vision is right important. Just ask those who can't see very well, or regrettably those that can't see at all. To get one's uh, vision right makes all the, the difference in the world. That's certainly true when it comes to casting a vision to be able to see clearly what others may not be able to see uh, also makes a really big difference. I have found that, that casting a vision is a, an up, down, and all around sort of thing. First, casting a vision takes faith. That's where uh, that up component comes, comes in and in fact becomes very important. Faith uh, in the leadership of God uh, certainly puts us on the right track. The writer of Hebrews puts it, puts it right. Of what we hope for and certain. Being able to see beyond all because we have faith in God and his leadership to bring, bring about good things through us. The down component of casting a vision has to do with, with grounding that vision in, in real life. A vision that is just way out there and is not able to be communicated into real life is, is going to fall short over time. We always need to be asking how the vision we cast plays out in everyday life, or at least how it can play out in, in everyday life. The all-around component of casting a vision has to do with that vision making a difference. We need to ask not only how we will be affected, but how others will be affected as well by the vision that we have. All of that is important as we seek to be leaders in this world. You and I get nowhere without a vision. 
Without a vision, we will find ourselves more like a, a bottle adrift on the ocean, cast here and there by whatever wave comes our way. Proverbs 29.18 reminds us that where there is no vision, the people perish. And we are included in that. I will never forget making our way into the holy city of Jerusalem for the very first time as we were on our um, trip to the, to the Holy Land just a few years back. We, we were traveling from the Sea of Galilee in the north to Jerusalem, which is in the south. The, the views from our tour bus were, were absolutely extraordinary. There, there were mountains and, and deserts, shepherds and sheep, and even a couple of camels for good measure. It was interesting how everybody's attention were drawn to the camels. The main road into Jerusalem from the north is a four-lane highway, not unlike the expressways that we have here in the States. As you make your way along that highway into the holy city of Jerusalem, you, you notice that, that things are hidden by, by a set of mountains. Immediately, though, the road uh, takes a bend. You go through a tunnel. You emerge from that tunnel, and there it is, right before your eyes. The holy city in, in all its glory. The scene, at least for the very first time, uh, it takes your, your breath away. There it is. There it is. To add to the dramatic flair, at least while we were on uh, our tour, our tour guy played um, the over the buses uh, public address system, that stirring rendition of uh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. It's titled The Holy City by Stephen Adams and, and Frederick Weatherby. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, lift up your gates and, and sing, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna to your king, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. If you aren't stirred by that, then you, you really need to, to check your pulse. It was a bright and sunny day when we arrived. The city looked marvelous. It was almost surreal, to be quite honest with you. It was a sight to behold, not so the day Nehemiah made his way into the holy city. Things were, were much different. In fact, for the most part, the city lay in, in rubble. Let's read about that as we turn to the scripture. We read today Nehemiah 2, verses 11 through 18. Hear this from God's word. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts, no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal wall and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the, the valley by night, examining the wall. 
Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I'd gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, you, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. God's word for God's people. And may it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us. If you remember, as we've studied here over the last couple of weeks, Nehemiah came from Susa in Persia with the permission of King Artaxerxes. His express intent was to rebuild the city walls all around Jerusalem, all of those that had been destroyed by the Babylonians some uh, 140 years earlier. What Nehemiah found was much worse than he ever imagined. I, I love the, the detail that the scripture offers. Upon arriving in Jerusalem, Nehemiah spent three days just sort of gathering himself. I'm sure he needed a little time to rest from the long trip that he had just taken. I'm sure he also needed a little time with the Lord. What Nehemiah was about to embark on was, was well beyond him, save for God's help in his life. After three days, Nehemiah and some trusted friends began to survey the walls. Interestingly, they did so at night. Nehemiah, you see, needed a little time to himself. He, he needed to, uh, to be able to survey things without uh, a lot of people looking on. There was a, a part of him that wanted to digest what he was up against. He needed to do that by himself. Nehemiah needed time for things to, to sort of wash over him. He needed the space to, to process things in his own way and in his own time. I like that. When, when faced with, with some problem or maybe some challenge, I, I need space as well to, to, to process things. I, I need time to get my arms around what is at hand. Above all things, I need to pray. I'm of the mind that Nehemiah took that sort of time and sought that sort of space as he struck out in the middle of the night to survey the walls that once stood around Jerusalem. Nehemiah was not at all afraid to face a challenge and work to find a solution. It's all a part of being a leader. Nehemiah was open to facing the, the facts as they presented themselves. And he was, uh, was faced with those facts as he viewed and surveyed the rubble that was all around him. Nehemiah was, 
was even willing to, to, to name what those facts were, what the reality of the situation was. He went so far as to, to make sure that others were well, were well aware of that situation as well. With Nehemiah, there was no putting his head in the sand. Again, that's very much part of leadership. We learn from our passage for today that Nehemiah was quick to state the problem. For him, there was absolutely no sugarcoating things. He, he called things exactly as he saw them. Upon making his way uh, around the city, Nehemiah found that things were in far worse condition than he, he first thought. Things were, were so bad that the donkey he was, was riding was unable to proceed through the rubble. If a leader has a hard time stating the problem, then that leader is going to have a hard time facing whatever problems uh, present themselves, much less dealing with them. For some leaders, problems have a way of paralyzing them. And because of that, the people and organizations that they lead never grow. Sometimes problems have the exact opposite effect. They, they can energize a, a leader to the extent that he or she gets off his or her duff and works toward a solution. At Kentucky Wesleyan College, where I, I've been a member of the Board of Trustees for many years, we, we've gone through some pretty tough times financially. We've had our ups and downs in, in that regard. We're not unlike any other small liberal arts college. We've even been put on warning by the Southern Association of College and Schools. That's a big deal, I'll tell you. A few years back, we faced the facts and got after our finances. We, we in fact, became laser-focused on them and all that, that feeds in to, to those finances. And, to be quite honest with you, we've turned things around. Nehemiah writes, you see the trouble we are in? How Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates burn. Recognition of the problem. Now, what are we going to do about it? In a very real way, uh, Nehemiah was a realist. He didn't mince words. He didn't try to wind a dress. He didn't try to sweep things under the rug. He exercised leadership by stating the problem. When it comes to leadership, it's simply not enough to just state the problem. In some regard, that's the easiest thing. Somewhere uh, along the, the line, a leader has to do something about it. A good way to do that is casting a clear and compelling vision. And then invite others to join you in, uh, in, in living out that vision. That's what Nehemiah did in eventually coming before the people, which is what he did. He, he knew that, that he and they needed to get started somewhere. It wasn't enough for him just to say, see the trouble we're in. He followed that by saying, let's start building. By so doing, Nehemiah cast a vision and invited others to join him in. 
compelling vision, has that attractional quality to it. When the vision is clear, when it is compelling, it has a way of drawing others around that vision. People have a way of coming around it when it is clearly stated and when it has a compelling nature to it. Years ago, Howard Schnellenberger, God rest his soul, stated confidently, and, and those who are fans of the University of Louisville remember this as if it was yesterday. The University of Louisville football is on a collision course with a national championship. The only variable is time. We're still waiting. As you know, the vision turned things around, though. People were, were energized, even when the team was losing. That vision propelled the program toward a much brighter future. And everybody would have to admit that that, that sort of brighter future was attained. Vision is that which draws people toward their preferred future. For the church, vision is that which draws every believer to the future, the preferred future that God has for them. For us, our vision as a church, as, as I hope that you are aware, that you've committed to memory, and not just to memory, but that you're living it out always, our vision is to make a difference by following Christ, offering hope, serving others, and loving everyone. We have understood that to be God's preferred future for our common life together, for our church. We're going to be talking a lot more about that vision as well as our, our core values later in, in the summer and, and on into the fall. I, I think it will be... A, an important, critical discussion for us as we revisit our vision, as we uh, seek to learn and grow into our core values. Realizing one's vision really um, just doesn't happen. It's not so, so much a waving of a magic wand or a snap of a finger. It takes leadership to bring vision to pass. The vision of restoring the walls around Jerusalem would have never been realized had it not been for the leadership, the visionary leadership of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was convinced that, that building the, the walls was, was part of God's preferred future for his people. It was part of that preferred future. You know, just building the walls in and of themselves really, uh, really didn't do so much but provide uh, protection and sort of an integrity around the city but it helped to energize the people to deeper things, deeper things spiritually, how they would become a, a light to the nations, how they would grow closer to God and to, to one another. Nehemiah not only caught God's vision, but he brought it to light. And it was more than just simply building walls. While a clear and compelling vision is important and does in fact have that attractional quality to it, it is the leadership around that vision that gives it legs. We need to consider that. Contemplate it. You, you need to take up that, that notion of, 
of, of what, what's my vision? What's the vision of this church? How, how might I come around it? How might I give it legs as, as God's spirit empowers me to be a part of that? You and I come in, in, into play in all this stuff of not only casting vision, but, but coming around vision and, and living it out. It's important that we, uh, we exercise leadership as God leads us. So let's start building. Those were uh, the words of Nehemiah. He spoke them to the people, challenging them to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And think of it. He did that against the backdrop of rubble that was as far as the, the eye could see. What kind of vision are you uh, offering to a troubled and broken world? A pile of rubble, if you will, against the, the backdrop of all sorts of divisions. How are you challenging others to act in peace and reconciliation? one another. Against the backdrop of a lost world, in, in what ways are you casting a vision that leads others to the, to the saving grace of Jesus Christ for their lives? Against the backdrop of countless numbers of people needing direction, how are you casting a vision for regular and ongoing discipleship where people are in fact growing in the Lord? Against the backdrop of so much need, and let's face it, there's need all around us. How are you challenging people to do acts of service? How are you being a leader in advancing a clear and compelling vision to those who are around you? The scripture tells us in Nehemiah 2.18 that the people committed themselves to the common good. They came together around a common vision and by doing that were able to accomplish great things. Again, our vision is to make a difference by following Christ, offering hope, serving others, and loving everyone. I am convinced that this is God's vision for us and I pray that we are living it out day by day following Christ, offering hope, the hope of the good news of, of Jesus Christ to all people, serving other people in, 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 in all ways that we can, and loving everybody, a heart that is hospitable, and gracious, and exuding the very love of Christ that is in us, that same love working through us, loving all people. While we don't have any walls to rebuild, we do have work to do and a vision to fulfill. There's something clear and compelling about making a difference in, in Christ's name. There's nothing more fulfilling than, than making that difference in the, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is needed are leaders to, to catch that vision and to see it through. So let's get to it. Let's get to it and see that vision, that vision come to fruition 
before our very eyes as we seek to give ourselves to Christ and to do his bidding in and through our lives. May God bless us all. Ashley.